Father, we just pray today that uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the message today. Father, I just pray that you'll give us ears upon our hearts today. Father, help us to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let your anointing be rich and real and mighty and powerful in this place. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's no secret today, my wife and I celebrate 10 years of ministry in this church. I thought as we celebrated three, uh, uh, the 10 years that there were three things that I wanted us to talk about today. I want to talk just a little bit this morning about where we were. I want to talk a little bit this morning about where we are. I want to talk a little bit this morning about where we're going. Not talking a lot this morning, not taking a lot of time today, but let's let's talk just a little bit this morning about where we were, where we were. Now, I understand that it's not wise to live life looking in the rearview mirror. I also understand that it is good every once in a while to remember where you were. Remember where you have come from. Somebody said it like this. They said, I, I, I may not be all that I want to be. I may not be all that I should be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32 says, Never forget the former days where you successfully came through a hard and painful struggle. Now, I want to begin point one this morning with a disclaimer. First of all, 75% of our church wasn't even here 10 years ago and have absolutely no clue as to how far we have come. My second disclaimer this morning is that my intention today is not to try and make myself look good. But it is my intention to make God look good. You see, the recovery of this church is an absolute miracle that that no man could have ever pulled off by himself. Only God could do what has been done in the last ten years. So to God be the glory, great things he has done. But just as the writer of Hebrews instructed the saints to remember the struggles of their past, that... They victoriously walked through. So you and I today, as a church, we are also going to remember just briefly and just for a moment, just a few of the struggles that we walked through so as not to forget the faithfulness of God. And so we can more readily appreciate the better days of today and the anticipation of even better days ahead. All right, where were we? Ten years ago, this church was discouraged. When I got here ten years ago, I found a very discouraged group of people. The vision that had been presented was coming unraveled at the scene. 
I'm going to spare you the details this morning. I could give you many of them, but I'm going to spare you the details. But the truth is the prognosis of the situation was not good. Not only was the church discouraged 10 years ago, but 10 years ago I, I found the church disappointed. Ten years ago, the church was disappointed. The leader who began the relocation process would not be around to finish it. Now, it's not my intention this morning to throw stones at any former leader. Because, you see, you see I don't want the next leader of this church throwing stones at me. So I refuse to throw stones this morning. But not only did I find the church discouraged and disappointed, but I also found the church divided. Ten years ago, this church was divided. You see, sheep without a shepherd scatter. And before it was all said and done, and before it was all over, more than half of the congregation had left. I look back, at my records and the lowest Sunday morning attendance, my first year here was 86. 86 people. Now that was with 15 or 20 students from Southwestern. This is where we were 10 years Ago. Let me say this this morning. My hat is off today to about 75 people who stood by this church and held it together and did not give up on it when everybody else was. Thank you. Amen. 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 All right, that's where we were. I didn't want to spend very long on where we were. Let's talk a little bit about where we are. Where we are. Let me suggest, first of all, we're healthy. I'm not saying New Bethel is perfect, but I am telling you it is very, very healthy. Our church banker tells me that our church has come from the loan in their bank that the bank examiners would always ask the question, who are these people and why on earth did you make them this loan? (laughs) He tells me we've come from that church to now we are the church. When the bank examiners come, they ask, who are these people? Go out and make some more loans to people like them. I'm quoting our banker word for word. Where are we? Well, first of all, we're, we're healthy. But not only are we healthy, we're also happy. We're happy. In, in 10 years, we've gone through 10 annual business meetings. Do, do, do you know business meetings in some churches resemble the gunfight at the OK Corral? Do you understand pastors have heart attacks before and after business meetings? <laughs> Can I tell you that in 10 years and 10 business meetings, 
Since I become your pastor, there hasn't been even one that I can recall. There hasn't even been one negative word spoken at even one of our annual business or any of our business meetings. Can I tell you that every single Sunday visitors come to our church and nearly every single Sunday when I stand in the foyer at the end of the service, almost every Sunday I, I, am, I, I get to hear them tell me how friendly our church is and how happy everybody seems. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody is happy all the time with everything. But there's so much positive going on that it drowns out the little bit of unhappiness there might be. Where are we? Where are we today? Well, let me suggest that we are harvesting. We're harvesting. Did you know that our monthly income for missions alone is now more than what the total monthly income of all of the church was 10 years ago? Did you know, and I know you do because I've told you, but in the past five years, our church has given $700,000 to missions? As many as two million people will go to heaven and not go to hell because of the mission's vision of New Bethel just in the last five years alone. Now approximately 50 people a year get saved on Sunday morning at our altars. That doesn't count all that gets saved uh, in the youth. Man, they get so many people saved. I mean, they get them saved three, four, five times. That doesn't count how many get saved in children's church or in VBS. Doesn't count how many get saved in Royal Rangers as Royal Ranger boys lead other boys to Jesus. But let me tell you that New Bethel's influence is not limited to what we do in these four walls. Oh, let me tell you that there are literally millions of people around the world that are going to be in heaven and not going to be in hell because of our heart for missions. Where are we? We're hopeful. That's where we are. We're hopeful. You see, as much as we have seen God do for us in the past, we have even greater expectations for our future. Nearly every single day when I pray, I ask God to make my latter days greater than my former days. My wife and I have been in full-time ministry now for 40 years. And I am asking God to do in me and through me more in the next 10 years than he has done in the past 40 years combined. Where are we? We're hopeful this morning. We're not discouraged or disappointed or divided anymore. Listen, we haven't been that for many, many years now. Let me tell you though, this morning, if God can take us from that to this, oh, just imagine what God can do with us starting from where we are now. 
Jeremiah 29 and 11, God said, I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Let me tell you this morning, New Bethel, we have a hope. Let me tell you that God has a plan for us. Listen, if God didn't have a plan for us, we would not have survived 10 years ago. But listen, we are no longer just surviving, but now we are thriving. We are hopeful today. And let me tell you this morning that the best days of this church are just ahead. tell you this morning that our future is so bright you better go buy you some shades all right we've talked a little bit about where we were where we are let me talk a little bit about where we're going in Genesis chapter 13 verse 14 and 15 God says to Abram lift up your eyes And look from the place where you are. For the land which you see, I give to you. I want you to notice two phrases here. From the place where you are and the land which you see. God said, Abram, I'm taking you somewhere and we're going to start right where you are. You see, too many times we, we make excuses as to why God cannot use us or why God cannot do great things through us. But God says, I can take you where I want you to go and I can start with you right where you are. New Bethel is on a journey. We've been on a journey for 10 years now. And even though God has already taken us a million miles, I truly believe that we are just in the infancy of our journey. I believe it. It's like a fire in my spirit. I believe as great as the last 10 years have been, yet I believe it has just been a foundation that God has built. Amen. And He in the next 10 years is going to build His building on the foundation. That all that has happened the last 10 years, as great as they have been, have only prepared us for the next 10 years. And I believe that God has been preparing my wife and I for 40 years. And we've had some incredible ministry in the past. And I'm, I'm proud of, of all that God has allowed us to accomplish to accomplish in the last 40 years. But I I believe with all of my heart that all of the 40 years of my past have just simply been preparation, uh, getting us ready, amen, for what God wants to do in and through us in the next 10 years. Honey, you haven't seen anything yet. Say, Pastor, where are we going? First, let me suggest we're going to a place Of unmerited favor. We are going to a place. Of unmerited. Favor. In the next five to six months. Our name will officially. Change. And as I read read this book. I've discovered that God is in. To changing names. 
It's not a fad. It's not something to try and be new and creative and cool. God is into change. And he's into changing names. Abram. Now on your Abraham. Simon. You're Peter. Saul. You're Paul. In August of 2011, in a hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona, while I was out there for general counsel, my wife bailed out on me at the end, my son bailed out at the end, and I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona in August at general counsel in a hotel room. And I used that time to seek God. And in August of 2011, in that hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona, when I was in prayer, God spoke to me and God said, call your church the Grace Place. I wrote it down in the front of my Bible, the Grace Place. Didn't know what that meant, didn't know what to do with it, but I wrote it down, the Grace Place. God said, call your church the Grace Place. I didn't know if that meant change the name. I didn't know if that was the new slogan. I didn't know. I just wrote it down. God said, call your church the grace place. Well, I don't do anything quickly. I didn't even tell my wife. After several months of prayer and trying to follow God's leading and try and understand what God was trying to tell me and God was trying to do. Of course, by that time, I talked to my wife and whatever, but I presented it to the church that we change our name to the grace place, and the church voted to change our name. But I want you to understand, and you must understand, that this is not just about a name change. It's about the future DNA of our church. It's not, well, I like New Bethel. It sounds better than the grace place. I like the grace place. It's not about a name. It's about a DNA. About the future DNA of this church. You see, when God, when God changes the name, He also changes the nature. Jacob, God said, Your name means deceiver, and you live up to your name. But you will no longer be Jacob the deceiver. From now on, your name will be Israel. Prince of God. May I say that a grace place name without people of grace is useless. And although we voted many months ago to change our name to the grace place, I said we will not officially change it until we move into our new building next door. But the reason I didn't change our name immediately because our nature must be changed to fit our name. And change is hard. If you think it's hard out there, you ought to try it up here. Change is hard. Change is a process. Change takes time. 
Where are we going? We are going to a place of unmerited favor, the grace place. That's what grace means. We are going to become a church that offers grace, offers unmerited favor. That's where we're going. And so on the road to the grace place, we must allow God to change our hearts. We must open our hearts to those in need of grace. And may I say this morning that a person of grace, a person of grace cannot be prejudiced. Cannot be judgmental. Cannot be legalistic. I envision the grace place to be a safe place, an accepting place, a nurturing place, a healing place. Where are we going? Not only are we going to a place of unmerited favor, but we are also going to a place of unbroken focus. Fads come and they go. What's in today will be out tomorrow. I haven't, nor will I start chasing fads. We will focus on two things at the grace place. I didn't say we wouldn't do anything else, but our focus, our main focus will be upon two things at the grace place. They will be about care ministry and about missions. Surprise. Care ministry, caring people, caring for people. The goal is to have a care minister assigned to every regular attender of our church. You might say, well, pastor, what does a care minister do? Well, it's really, really hard and it's really, really complicated. I don't know if you can get it or not. Are you ready for the answer? They care. What does a care minister do? They care. That's it. They care enough to notice if the people in their care group are at church or not on Sunday. And if they are not, they care enough to call them and check on them and see if they are okay. Not to spy on them, not to drill them about where they were, not to chastise them for not being in church. Just to call and make sure they're okay. Just to let them know that somebody cared enough to notice they weren't there. And if they're sick, they can pray for them. And if they are in the hospital, they care enough to go and visit them. They don't have to come in there with a five-gallon bucket of oil. We're not asking them to be the mighty, faithful, powerful person that raises them up off of their sick bed and says, just go care for them. Just go check on them. Let them know you love them and you care for them. And you're there for them. You see, the care ministry is simply organized caring. Organized caring. You see, with, with nearly 500 people who say they come to this church, now some come every Sunday. 
Some come about twice a month. Some come on Easter, Mother's Day, and Christmas. But with nearly 500 people who say they come to this church, all I can do personally is offer crisis care. I only have time to go from crisis to crisis. And whoever has the latest crisis will get my attention. Because that's all the time there is for. With this amount of people, somebody is always in a crisis. Somebody has lost a loved one. Somebody has a sick child. Somebody has, has, has cancer or had a heart. There, there's crisis. And all I can do is go from crisis to crisis. That's all there is time for. And whoever has the latest crisis is the one that will get my attention. But I want you to have more than crisis care. I want you to be cared for on an ongoing basis. And besides all of that, I'm not the only one in this church who cares. Our focus will be to, to develop the care ministry where caring people care for people. And it will be layperson led. Ricky and Patty Moffat are our directors. Mark and Sandy Knowles are our assistant directors. And they're doing an incredible job. Where are we going? We are going to a place of unbroken Focus, but not only will our focus be on the care ministry, but it will also be on missions. I believe that God has called us to be a sending church. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that is awesome. That is incredible. But then it qualifies it and says, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they going to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how's the preacher going to go unless somebody sends him? In March of 2012, I presented you with a dream that God placed in my heart. I call it Dream 135. The one stands for one million dollars. I want to see New Bethel, soon to be the Grace Place, give one million dollars to missions. So the dream one, three, five, the one, one million dollars. The three stands for three million souls. You see, one million dollars in the right hands will reach three million souls. Amen. And the five stands for five Years We'll give a million dollars to missions in five years. That means we need to average $200,000 a year for five years to give a million dollars in five years. So, simply stated, Dream 135 is one million dollars given to missions. Three million souls will be one to God. And we'll do that in a time frame of five years. We're already one year into the process. Last year, our church gave $165,000 to missions. So we have four years left to give the remainder, which is $835,000. It sounds like we're a little bit behind, and we are a little bit behind, but I want you to understand that when we get to our new building and our attendance begins to jump from 350 to 400 and then from 400 to 450 then from 450 to 500 and so on and so on, can you even imagine what we could do for missions then? Hey, when I celebrate 20 years as lead pastor here, we might give a million dollars to missions in one year. Who knows? Don't sell us short. My goal is for Sunday. 
Even the balloons believed in that. Amen. My goal is for someday to be able to go anywhere in the world and to be able to see the fingerprints of New Bethel somewhere in that country to see evidence that our church has been there. It may be the fingerprints our fingerprints might be on a speed the light van or they might be on a shipment of literature. They might be on a study Bible in the hands of a native pastor or 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 uh, where are we going? Uh, amen. We are going to a place of unmerited favor and we are going to a place of unbroken focus. And finally and quickly this morning we are going to a place of unexpected findings. You see, nobody knows for sure what lies ahead of us. No doubt there will be blessings and there will be blunders. There will be tragedy, but there will also be triumph. Oh, there will be joys, but there will be sorrows. There will be successes, but there will also be some failures. It's no doubt, friend, we are going to a place of unexpected findings. Some of our people will delight us, and some will disappoint us. Some of our days will be filled with sunshine, and some of our days we will have to weather the storm. But although we don't know for sure what tomorrow holds, thank God we do know who holds tomorrow. Isaiah 43 and 2 says, When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord your God. Take away from this sermon on the state of the church this morning. I love my church. I love my church. I love my people. I love the different colors. I love the different races. I love the different cultures of this church. And I love all of you this morning. I love you all this morning so much that not only have I made a commitment to serve you as lead pastor for the next 10 years, I love you so much. I want to spend all of eternity with you. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word today. Thank you, Father, for taking us from where we were to where we are and taking us from where we are to where we're going. God, we just pray that you'll continue to lay your hand of blessing, favor, and anointing upon this church, not only for the next 10 years, but until you return. In Jesus' name, amen.